Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. Kat and JJ are at home for Thanksgiving, so they will not be here on this episode, but the wonderful Evelyn has joined us again to help co-host this episode. You, of course, know her uh, as the intuitive educator, psychic, medium, all the wonderful things. And you can find her on Instagram and TikTok at the.mira.grid or her website, themiragrid.com. Evelyn, thank you so much for co-hosting tonight. Absolutely. I'm super excited for this one. Me too. I thought of you immediately when um, Catherine agreed to come on the podcast because she has psychic children. She's a medium herself and she also has her own podcast. So a bunch of stuff to talk about. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. And your podcast is Murder and Mediumship. And you can find Catherine on Instagram at catherine.and.intuitive. I would love to know just right out the gate because I did look at your podcast and listen to some of it. Can you just tell our audience about how you blend true crime and mediumship together? Okay. So it's a little bit of a work in progress, as all things always are. It's a fairly newer show. And I was doing as Evelyn may know, I don't want to speak for you, but you do so many readings for people professionally. And you're like, you start to see like the same things over and over and over. And you like, you just want to kick it up a little bit. And I get bored very easily. I absolutely love true crime. I am that mom in the pickup line, like turning down the murder story when I get to the drop off spot. So I was like, why don't I start looking into cold cases that people don't really have answers about and just trying to find a, just a little, little bit more information enough to make it interesting. Obviously, if there was something really worth sharing, it would be brought to law enforcement and not put on a podcast kind of platform. And then I realized that there are so many cases that are not equally represented. And I started to gauge it more toward finding cases that needed more representation and speaking on those kind of using my gift to help others as well in a, in a different way. So the ultimate goal is to eventually work with law enforcement in some capacity. But for now, I'm happy sitting behind a microphone and just talking about it. And is there a certain so episode that you would recommend our audience listen to? Okay, so the nerd in me wants you to listen to the murder of Emmett Till because it's so relevant right now. It's so, so relevant. And there's a lot of history in that episode. And then any of my more recent episodes about uh, Blackfeet Nation in Montana and missing indigenous women would be great episodes to check out because again, it's kind of the direction the podcast is taking with educating at the same time that you're hearing some kind of gruesome, awful story that captivates us and then forces us to learn something in the process. I think that's really amazing. The mindfulness that you're having towards the representation issue and how differently supported different um, racial groups are represented in, you know, criminal investigations. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I just have to say too, like, I love that you are using your abilities for this, because I feel like we've seen 
some really cool stuff kind of start to come out of like collective psychic approaches to crime solving. And um, so I'm loving seeing that stuff like on TikTok too. Like when, you know, people are like, Hey, we don't know about this. Like if this is something that you can do, like look into it. Um, and so I, I love that you're a part of that mission also, like just making sure that information is getting where it needs to go. Thank you. It, if I may, it occurred to me that I have a predominantly white girl audience and I'm like, what a perfect platform to use to educate other white girls on what's really going on in the world outside of our own four walls and what we see on social media. So just trying to like bend the bars of the boxes that we put ourselves in a little bit. And it's been the way that I incorporate mediumship with it is I usually give all the facts of the case. I like to dive into like what we really know. And then I make it very clear that this is what I'm feeling into, that this is not fact, that this is my psychic perception of it. And I like to also educate on what it is that it means to see things psychically. So kind of break that down into, you know, you go through different phases in your journey as an intuitive where you're maybe physically seeing and then you're seeing in your mind's eye and you're hearing things in your like mind's ear, so to speak. And, and all of these different pieces of your gift have different places in your journey where they're more applicable than other times. So using those pieces to show others, like it's not like the horror movies where you're seeing, it's not like I see dead people everywhere, right? <laughs> and that kind of thing. It's different, especially when you have a responsible control over your gift, like sitting here talking to you guys. I don't know anything about your personal life because I don't want to, right? And it's it's knowing that I feel like it's trying to normalize it in a sense. So that's part of the mission as well. Oh, Catherine, I love you. Everything that you said, I'm like, oh, I <laughs> there's so there there, you know, there can be such a tendency towards a lot of crap in this industry mm -hmm. and. Um, so when I see someone operating with really high integrity and really good ethics and boundaries and the way that you explain your practice is, um, is really great. I just have Thank to you. really say, I, I admire that a lot. Well, I, I admire you too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no. <laughs> Keep it coming. <laughs> I, uh, I would love to know also, now you have three children that you claim are psychic. Is that correct? I have three children. One isn't speaking enough yet to pull any shit on me. Excuse me. Can I say that on here? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> He's um, 16 months old. Okay. Yes. I was told by a psychic I would have him. And I, um, PSA for all women on an IUD, they're not as foolproof as you think as my oh 15 month old would show you. But um, <laughs> I was told by two psychics, I think it was, that I would have him. Wow. And I told them they were full of crap. So <laughs> it was true though. Um, the older two though, they're 17 months apart. And one of them will see kind of what my cases are about in his own terminology that he can understand it. Um, for example, there's a case that I did on a woman. Her name is Ameta Jean. I believe Dumas. I may be mispronouncing her last name right now. She was, she disappeared basically, and no one can find her. And um, push comes to shove, I think that there was shady police work involved and that there were people within the courts who were involved in drug trafficking and that sort of thing. And um, when I was seeing this case, when I was feeling into it, my son also had a dream about what he saw as wolves in the police department and the police officers turning into wolves with like red eyes. So they were the bad guys. And I thought, that is so fascinating. He put it in his own, like his own way of understanding it. 
and express it to me as what was going on. And it took another friend of mine to explain it to me. I was like, oh my God, that is what he was seeing. He was seeing my case and that floored me. I mean, it was crazy. And he's also had dreams where he will say, and this one freaks me out. And I don't know about you, but it's harder for you to feel into what your own children are going through or what like your family is going through because you have such extensive boundaries set up. If, if, if you do have your boundaries up about what's going on, but he's also had the same dream twice now where he describes someone, this is graphic, but sawing his brother into pieces and putting him in a box. And I, every time he tells me this dream, he won't elaborate. He's very upset. And then he shuts down and won't talk about it anymore. And it just shakes me to my core because it's he's not afraid of anything. This kid is voluble. He's the middle child and middle children are insane. I say this as a middle child. You can't shake us, but he'll have that dream. And the oldest one will talk about things that he sees pretty frequently. And he's very aware of your energy. Now, is it the oldest one? I'm trying to remember because I went through your TikTok page and I did watch a good bit of them, but is it the oldest one that can, or, or can any of them see apparitions and they tell you about that? Yes, that's the oldest one. So he just turned six and um, some of the things, it's interesting starting to dissect it and being able to tell what's his imagination, what's him trying to get away with not doing something. And then also what he's seeing and feeling and trying to understand so he has someone that he's been talking to this is the video on tiktok that went viral that he calls ghosty for the longest time i was back and forth on if ghosty is really someone he's seeing or if it's like spirit guide or is this like just his imagination we really didn't watch anything about that for as into this as i am i've kept it very separate in a way to not scare them with it being younger. Um, they don't watch true crime. If I have it on in the car, I'm at pickup. They don't hear it like in my ears or anything like that. And we don't really watch violent stuff. So I never understood where this really came from. And Ghosty started to become more and more interactive and we hear more and more about him. Ghosty is someone that has been around for a while and he will talk about other spirits but it always comes back to ghosty being there. So he almost feels like, like a protective energy around him is, is what I get with that. Yeah, I, th I think absolutely. That does sound like more of like an ally than mm -hmm. anything else. Um, and I totally get what you're saying too about the, like the ability to read into your kids. And I have some like access and like pathways that feel really open and then some that aren't. And just cause it's like, you know, things are, private and like that's right. that's fine and and I wonder your take on this is if he was like sort of empathically um receiving information about the case that you're working on like if I guess I guess I wonder what his what his mechanism was like was this an empathic understanding was this sort of just like a, a premonition was this kind of a clairvoyant thing like I it, it's so cool. And, and I, I love that he, that you were able to have that back and forth of like, well, this is, you know, this is what it looks like to him, but this is what it looks like to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I always love that kind of thing. Like um, in some of the classes that I teach, we do like group readings and I love seeing like how one recurring theme, like the answer to the question or whatever comes together through all of these different lenses. And I mean, I just love it. If you have four people doing a reading and everyone is get like, it's like, okay, well, we all came to the same end conclusion, but like, here's the pathway that we took to get there. It was yes. very, very cool. And that's exactly why I say on my show all the time too, no one's here to solve anything. We have pieces of the puzzle, just like a detective would have pieces of the puzzle, but 
no one has the full picture. So it's, it, that's a perfect way to say that. I love that so much. I wish that could be just like broadcast with every psychic medium ever. Like I don't have all of the answers because it's not meant to be that way. It's mm-hmm. that's interesting. But with Wesley, I do feel like it's more of a clairvoyance and there's been an, an uptick in energy in the house lately. And I, I do attribute that to him. I believe there was a couple of days ago that I only laugh because my husband's a total baby with this stuff and I love him so much, but he like, we're in an endless prank war and I will hit the roof every time he scares me. But if something happens that he can't explain, he's out. He's like, this is your domain. Go get it. <laughs> what if it's a burglar? He's like, you know, it's not. <laughs> so it's like when my wife finds a spider, she's like, get it for you. It's like, there's ghosts in here. Deal with this. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just before I was on here, I was like, dude, there's a giant bug in the bathroom. That is all you go. I'll handle the ghosts. So understanding the division of labor and a relationship is yep. really important. <laughs> so important. So he, I'm going to lose my train of thought. Um, we were sitting down eating dinner and my oldest, the one who I think is way more in tune, um, at least right now he is, he and I both heard, we had just finished putting up like a cabinet for the shoes, like trying to force any level of organization in the household with three boys, six and under. Right. And Um, My husband's military too. So he's like in and out a lot. So there's always something going on. And he, um, we heard the power drill was sitting in the bookshelf next to where we had just put stuff up. We heard it turn on and Wesley and I were both like, like, I didn't want to scare him. Right. So I said, was that the drill? And Wesley goes, I heard it too. I'm like, okay, so we got cleanse. Let's, let's get on that. So I did, that was an opportunity though, to show him, like, you don't have to have fear around this. Noisy doesn't mean bad. And also let's just walk through, we'll get some, I like to use eucalyptus or sage or really whatever I happen to have and just walk through and we'll cleanse. And it's as simple as removing negative intention. You know, it's just replacing that with the positive, simplifying all of the things so that really anybody can do it. And it was a really cool experience to show him how he can command that energy too. Well, just to circle back to ghosty, I feel like anytime you put a Y on the end of something, it automatically becomes like less harmful, like murdery, like anything. You're just like, yeah, it's probably fine. It's ghosty. If you were like, it's ghosts, I'd be like, nah, I'm I'm going to see you later. (laughs) I'm out. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) And I did have a question about the TikTok video. So what do you think it was that connected that video, like struck a chord with the zeitgeist of TikTok? Okay. So honestly, I think it was sharing something creepy right around Halloween was probably helpful. It was right after Halloween, but also there are so many parents right now with kids who know just a little too much and they don't know why kids who have that like really good hearing because they don't realize it's not their physical hearing. It's their auditory perception. That's it's, it's a psychic perception. And this is just kind of what my take is on it, but I do really think that so many kids now are latching onto this. They're, they're born with it. They don't have to develop it as much as, as we may have. And they're also um, not growing out of it like people have in the past. And I think that's the biggest thing with it. So when I, I do think all kids have this, but some of them outgrow it. Some of them don't. My middle child, I think he's going to outgrow it. I don't think it's going to stick with him. I just don't think so. My oldest, I think it'll stick with him. I see it a lot as like it becoming blocked. And I know that was my experience where for my own like emotional safety, I was like, I don't want to see this anymore. I don't want to hear it. I I can't do this anymore. And I, sh- I shut it off. And then I had to mm-hmm. open it up later. But I do think that there are like 
I, I'm like, you know, I think that, yeah, uh, like you said, like everyone is coming in with these abilities. It's just like being closed off less than it used to be. Um, and people are starting to talk about it more in this culture. Anyways, it's like, there's other cultures around the world yeah. where it's talked about openly. And it, it's like, yeah, everyone knows that you have premonitions sometimes, you know, we're, we're a little bit just based on like the religious prominence in this country, we kind of tend towards a certain, you know, like what's socially acceptable level of psychic mm-hmm. <laughs> nature you can have. So Catherine, what was your origin story finding out about your own abilities? It is insane how many things happened to me before I finally had like the anvil fall on my head because I had the first thing I can really remember as a child that scared me while I was a teenager. I had um, a hand come down at me in the middle of the night and it was, I know like we're not on video, but like it came down, like it was taking my whole face into it. And it said, I don't speak German. So if anyone does save your criticisms for my pronunciation, but it said Ekabadik. And I went to, I still get chills saying it now, but I went to, I grew up in a very small town. We had a French teacher who was from Germany and was on like a teacher exchange program, right? Okay. So I asked her, what does this mean? And she looked at me with like these wide eyes and she's like, who said that to you? And I, I wasn't going to say like, I saw a hand come at my face. I wish I could remember exactly what I said to her because, oh my God, it was not that. But she said, that means I have you. Like I own you. I will follow you wherever you go. Like a stalker. I was like, oh, cool, 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 cool. (laughs) Great. Cool. That's what you want to hear. Shit. (laughs) Yeah. But we also had this clock that was handcrafted in Germany, this cuckoo clock during World War II, which obviously is a pretty tumultuous time in history if you're familiar with, I don't know, the world at all. So we went to, <laughs> we went to, um, the, the clock would never work. And I hated this clock. And it's just that feeling you get around something that you, you just don't like. It's the same around a person. If you ever meet them and you just think, God, this guy's a douche. And you've really not even had a conversation yet. You're not being judgy. You're just, your gut says this isn't safe. So my mom took the clock into the shop because it wasn't working. They hang it on the wall. It works perfectly fine. They don't fix it. They don't charge or anything. They send it home. We put it back up on the wall. It doesn't work. She's finally like, well, what the hell? She takes it back to the shop. Same thing. Nothing's wrong with your clock lady. I don't know what's going on. You put that thing back up. It would only cuckoo like 13 times in the middle of the night. And that was it. What kind of devil shit is that? It was so scary. So I remember not liking that clock in the beginning. And I was a really nerdy kind of loser teenager. I was the band geek. I was 100% like mock trial as nerdy as you can get. And I remember like flipping the clock off, like F this clock, like it doesn't like whatever. It freaked me out. I didn't like it. I had a lamp fall on my head that night in the middle of my sleep, that lamp fell on my head. And I remember thinking then that's a little weird and it was scary, but my mom just passed it off because she was very shut down to her gifts. She had a lot of experience as a child as well. And then moving forward, and I think it was 2012, it may have been 2013. I live in the Virginia Beach area and you can Google um, Navy jet crash. And I had dreamt over and over and over that this plane was going to crash in a courtyard. And it looked like my apartment complex courtyard, but I had dreamt it so many times. I was telling my roommate, I'm like, Zach, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is so bizarre. I keep dreaming this. No one's hurt, but it's just so like, it, the dream would not leave me alone. And on Good Friday of that year, a two-person jet crashed into an apartment complex so close to mine that I could see. We were in the flight path. 
So it was a really cheap apartment. <laughs> so um, we could see, it was me, just me alone. You could see practically the pilot like going past the window and then oh my God. you could hear it crash. The like news. Like Donnie Darko. Out. Yeah, it was crazy. And when the, the phone lines were all like jammed up, right? And he called and the first thing he said to me was, what the F did you do? I'm like, I know, it scared me. So it wasn't even then though, still didn't click until I had another psychic say, you're reading people and you're being rude. And I hadn't, and she went, oh my God, you don't know you're doing it, do you? I'm like, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. So she kind of took me under her wing. She's now one of my best friends and um, showed me the ropes and helped. And I mean, life has not been the same since I quit my crappy waitressing job and just started doing this full time saying like, this is just going to work because this is where I feel called to be. And things just kind of started falling together. It was incredible. So not that you asked all of that. I <laughs> No, and I probably have asked Evelyn this too, but I'm curious if somebody is having some of these things happen, you know, maybe not as extreme as picturing a plane crash into an apartment and mm -hmm. it happens, but you know, just things in general happening, what would be your advice to them to potentially accept that maybe they do have some abilities? Talk to a mentor. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like mm -hmm. knowing someone who has already walked that path is huge. Yep. Yeah. And I don't mean me. I mean, me, Evelyn, I have a bunch of friends who teach this, talk to someone because it becomes a support structure like you would never believe. I'm very fortunate that my family, I think only my stepdad and only because he doesn't get it and he's never rude about it. He doesn't really understand it. The rest of my family is like, oh yeah, this makes sense. And I know how fortunate I am to have that. And even my husband's just like, so my wife, she's a psychic. She has a true crime show. She talks to serial killers. I don't know. <laughs> Talk to her about it. So <laughs> get a mentor, get a mentor and join some groups on Facebook through trusted avenues where you can make these connections because there's a lot out there. And, and it's really important to have that support, especially when you start messing with energy that's bigger than what you've experienced or played with or tried to control before. Well, you mentioned a lamp falling, falling, and then your, uh, the drill going off. Have you or your children experienced other poltergeist type events as well? it's so funny. It's almost like blocking out childhood trauma. Some of it, right? Like you don't remember all of it. Um, we, I've had things move around on me a lot. And it's funny because I don't know if it's poltergeist activity or if it's my guides, like getting stuff out of my way that I don't need to be messing with at that time. But I do have stuff gets moved around a lot. That's more often when I'm working with a case that I'm forgetting to shut down from or like turn off or like cleanse or something after that, like that power drill, I'm fairly convinced that it had to do with a case I was researching because he was someone who was very handy and was someone who like would have worked with his hands and that kind of thing. I felt that was him. Um, if it wasn't, I don't want to know because I felt very comfortable in thinking that's what it was. But um, not that I can really think of. I've had a lot of weird feelings and those kinds of experiences, but nothing that's really made me. I mean, that same house, the speaker also flew off the wall, but that was it. I was yeah. a teenager. I feel like poltergeist, they feed off of it. That's like, it feeds off the energy, right? So like a teenage girl whose parents are going through a divorce and she's like an angsty, like Nirvana fan, of course it would be pumping in there. <laughs> well, and Evelyn, I, I wanted to know if, if you could share your story about your daughter and what she said to you uh, about her past life with Catherine. I'd be curious to get her opinion on that. 
Absolutely. Um, so my daughter Daphne was two years old and she started having trouble sleeping, which she really didn't before. Um, she was having trouble falling asleep and she started having these huge, like emotional breakdowns and, um, you know, it'd be like, what's wrong, you know? And I was like, Oh, are you, are you scared? Like, you know, what, what, like, what is going on? Um, and she started telling me, and this was like a series of conversations. This happened for a few months. And she said, no, I, I just really miss my sister from before. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, okay, go on. I was like, what, you know, what do you mean your sister from before? And she's like, from before, when we lived in the white house on the lake and before when um, you weren't my mom, I had another mom and I lived with my grandma and she's like telling me about, about like this white house by the lake and, and her whole family. And she's like, my sister, she's crying. She's like, my sister had this shiny monkey toy and I, I just want this shiny monkey toy. And, you know, just absolutely sobbing. And that was one of those moments, you know, it's like, you know, when you're parenting kids. And a lot of people ask me, like, how do you know that this isn't just your kid's imagination? Cause you don't want to write something off, but you also don't want to freak them out by validating something that isn't like accurate. Right. So to me, I was like, this is real. Those are real tears. Like I know when my kid is being silly, I know when my kid is being goofy. I'm like, she's emotionally impacted by this experience and she's so hurt by it. Like she is still grieving immensely. So she kept telling me about her sister other people like her grandparents were like, Oh, does she talk about her sister a lot? Cause she was talking about her, her sister from, from before. And I was like, yeah, she talks about her a lot. Um, and she told me that her sister fell into the lake. And so she was really little, she was very articulate. She had a, a huge vocabulary for her age, but she was trying to describe ice, but she didn't know what the word ice was. So she was like, she was like, when the water is hard and slippery, you know, she's like, it's cold and it's hard and it's slippery. And, and she's like, and my sister fell in the water, but the water was hard and slippery. And she said that her grandma from before tried to break the ice open with the chair. And so I was just like, okay, <laughs> you know, I, and I was like, this obviously was like the biggest invitation that I had into like, do this work. Like you're putting it off and now you're going to have to like, in order to support your kid, you're going to have to, to face this and do this. Um, so uh, my theory, and I honestly don't know this for sure, but I think that it was her, I'm not, well, okay. I guess I speculate that she was the sister, like that it was her that fell into the ice she, she says that it was her sister, but I just sort of have some suspicions that she might have, have been the person that died in that situation. And that's part of why um, the trauma. And then I additionally have a theory that she reincarnated very quickly. And so that's part of sort of why she had a really hard time integrating into her experience. That's really interesting because as you're saying it, it's, there's a couple of things have come up. Number one, I feel like children are those emotional breakdowns, children who are highly intuitive like that. I feel like those happen more frequently. Like my oldest, who I do feel is the more intuitive one. He had about 18 months old and just like everything kicked into high gear. He was more emotional. He was very like aware. You'd see him having his, his, I would call them nightmares, but he would wake up and you could see the fear on his face while he was crying. And it was so real because there's such a difference between like a little meltdown and that 
fear that is like visceral, right? And I feel like with your daughter, I would 100% agree that she was the one who passed because the visual that I get is her kind of standing. This happens um, again, everyone reads differently, but I see like her standing behind her grandmother, her mother, whoever that was watching her bash the chair trying to pull her out. Like she's already gone. She's already out of her body because I feel at least in my experiences that the soul in a traumatic event like that leaves the body before it really go before the body, the physical body is going through all of that. And I just think that's really, that's interesting that she would have reincarnated so quickly because that makes sense that she would remember so much that way. And we're learning so much more about that. And with such little like science to back it all up, I know it's harder to, um, really make like a discernment about it, like have a really strong conviction about it. But I think it's fascinating. And I think that this group of kiddos is going to teach us so much more about the other side and how things work. It just feels like they're so much closer to it. Yeah. And Daphne, like when she came in, like she was the most angry baby. And it was like, when she was a newborn baby, she was mad about being trapped in a baby's body. It was like, she was older than she was. And I mean, she seriously screamed for the first eight months of her life straight. And so once she was able to start talking is like when we started, you know, hearing more of this kind of stuff of her, like kind of telling us like what's going on with her. And I was just like, oh, wow, you are new here. And and I don't think you were prepared to, to come back really. And Evelyn, didn't you was, say that at some point that time passed where she kind of didn't remember that anymore? Yeah. So she doesn't remember it anymore. That's really common with past life remembrances in children. Um, the goal, like really, I think in, in an ideal situation, you probably wouldn't have a past life remembrance. Like it, you should generally be integrated into the, the life that you're currently in. And so if you have some unprocessed trauma that is coming with you, that's something that you can, you know, we work on that in sessions. Um, some people are really impacted by it. Some people aren't, um, but the goal, the forgetting is good. Like that means that you are fully integrating into like my current experience. So instead of spending so much time fixating on like my family from before in this other life that we don't even know if those people are alive anymore, you know, like it's, it's not attainable. Um, you know, it, it is best for them to sort of like eventually ground into their current incarnation. So kids usually start remember like, or they, as soon as they can talk, they can start remembering those like verbalizing um, their past life remembrances. Usually they don't remember past about age five. Certain kids will, um, but it's more, it's, it's pretty uncommon for it to persist past then. It's also funny because age five is about when you start to form memories. Um, that's usually one of the earlier ages that anyone, you know, not just psychic people, but anyone can, can remember. Um, and so I, I kind of have a theory about it, that it has to do with being able to start forming memories from this life. It kind of needs you to remove the memories from the previous life. And Catherine, throughout your time of being a medium, have you heard of stories like that before where a child has had a past life remembrance? Oh yeah. Lots of them. I wish that I had more memory of what mine were because I don't remember them at all. Like Evelyn was just saying, um, my son would talk about my oldest would talk about being, I tell like, it's funny, but it's not funny. It was like, he was a chauvinist in a past life. He was a sexist little chauvinist because I would be like backing the car into the driveway. He's like three years old. 
telling me that daddy needs to do it and <laughs> and um talking about how he was going to be a pilot or how he was a pilot and he used to fly planes and I said oh maybe I'll be a pilot someday I'll learn how to fly planes and he's like that's not allowed girls can't do that but like with such strong conviction right like I'm so sorry, but we are the kind of family who is all about that girl power. So to hear my little boy saying that, I was like, what in the hell is going on? And uh, right, we're going to heal that particular yeah. integration. He <laughs> must be a big Top Gun fan. I feel like that hits all the notes <laughs> of what you just laid out. So then he um, like somewhere in that, I feel like as a parent, your memory of time, just kind of like your judgment of it just like explodes at one point and it doesn't matter anymore. But I remember at one point having a dream that a pilot landed in our, this like, what is it with planes in my yard, I guess, but a pilot landed, like, um, I don't know. I can't think of the right name for it, but it was a world war II plane with like the shark painted up on the side. And if you Google it, like, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And he, it was like a very um, select few people who would have flown these planes and this guy landed and he was, it was this house and he was at our back sliding glass door and he was in his pilot uniform and he was like, is Wesley there? Is Wesley there? I got to take him with me. It's time for us to go. And I was like, what the, what? (laughs) Because I was so, it was such a lucid dream to be standing there talking to him and he was looking for my son. And then I had later had a dream where this um, pilot was like laid to rest in his mother's home, like in an open casket kind of like viewing. And it was in someone's home, which wouldn't have been unusual years. I mean, until recently, really. So I don't, there's so many dots, again, pieces of the puzzle that you just can't connect. But Wesley, the oldest has had those experiences. He has spoken on it. And like Evelyn was saying, and he's six, if you ask him about being a pilot now, he's like, mom, like, like I'm making it up or something. Like, I should record it. It's like, they, it's like they, 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 I think also they start to be impacted by a lot of like the, like their understanding, like what's real and what's not, right? But also what is acceptable to believe is real and what's not. And, um, it's interesting because it's like it's not just like factual, like what's real and what's not. Because if you have kids raised in a religious household, they're going to be like, you know, Jesus is real. He died for our sins. He was reincarnated. Here's what happened, and it's like that's fine. That's that's factual. So um, it's not it's not just like black and white like that. Like oh, suddenly the kids integrate like some sort of logic. So I don't know. Yeah, it it's like a mystery that's like it's constantly <laughs> sort of being unraveled. But past life stories are are my absolute favorite. When I, the the TikTok that I went viral for was me sharing my daughter's past life remembrance. And I had people stitch their kids past life remembrances. So I had hundreds of people like, and they would like, just ask, like they would just ask their kids to describe it. And so I had all of these really cool videos of kids being like, yeah, you know, here's, here's what I remember. And having them ask, like, you know, do you remember before you were born? And, and, Oh God, I just, I love those stories so much. That is so cool. You should save those all to a hard drive. That is so, so cool. I should. I wish I was more on top of it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) As a parent who is intuitive, I feel like it's worth mentioning too that you you didn't just like wake up one day with all of this knowledge about how to teach intuitive children and focus on that. It's something that I'm assuming kind of 
ebbed and flowed with the way that your life was going, right? Like before you had kids, it wasn't as much of a deal. And then it was. Yeah, it was always an invitation, you know, it's like, and I had had multiple psychics, um, like when I was 14, my mom took me to this massage therapist, but she was also an energy worker. And she was like, you're um, psychic. And she's like, you're going to do energy work. And, you know, I was a teenager. So I was like, blah, blah, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, cool. Uh, and then, you know, as it went on, like, I just kept having these invitations to work with, with that. Um, and then the invitations just got undeniable when my daughter was born, it was like, okay, now. So that's when I really started like, um, training. That's when I got my mentor and I, um, started learning everything that I could. And then in the last, uh, few years, I've really been like, okay, now, now I am at a place where I'm, uh, qualified to do this professionally. So. Catherine, with your oldest son, Wesley, now you mentioned ghosty. Uh, does he see any other apparitions or is it primarily just the one that you hear about? Okay. So I've heard about ghosty. I've heard about Carrie and I've heard about the new one. I hope I don't mess it up. I think it was. Please tell me it ends in a Y. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> it's a French name. It's Jean Bleu, I think. Yeah, because every time I say it, I then start craving chicken wings because I go Jean Bleu, blue cheese, chicken wings. <laughs> so it's Jean Bleu. Um, so sorry, totally food driven. Um, Jean Bleu is a teacher of some sort, is what he had said. But if I, he's kind of like hitting this point where he's exposed to other kids now. So now he's turning into a brat <laughs> who knows other kids. I hate school. So he, um, he won't take my questions as much as he used to. Like if I start probing him, he gets embarrassed and shuts down. He's very private. And it's a really new concept to me because I'm not, I've always been an open book. So he's talked about Jean Blue. Jean Blue doesn't scare him. He's talked about um, Carrie and he poses that as if it were Ghosty's sister, but I don't think that Carrie is. I think that Carrie, like that's his understanding. Like this is a boy, this is a girl. They're the same age, they're brother and sister, especially when you've been like COVID children and you're only raised with, I mean, right. you're only playing with your brothers and sisters for how long? So um, I don't know who Carrie is. I have a couple ideas, but I haven't researched them too much. Um, and then he's talked about uh, seeing shadows in his room, which frequently, I feel like you can't really deny those because that's kind of how it starts for a lot of people is seeing the shadows. And I remember staring at stuff being like, is it real? Is it not? And watching it finally move and like hiding under the blankets. And he also sleeps like I did when I was a kid with everything pulled up like to his eyebrows. So I think he does see more than he lets on about too. Yeah. I had that really bad. Like when I was a kid and then, it, yeah, it just sort of escalated. And then it got to the point where even when my eyes were closed, then it got worse because yeah. then I was, I was really opening up like my clairvoyant seeing focused, and then it was yeah. like, Oh, it's right. I was like, now they're just here instead of like mm -hmm. across the room, they're in my forehead. Yes. Um, so that was terrible. I just remembered that not too long ago. Um, I don't know. I don't remember what reminded me of it, but I was like, oh man, remember that? Like, boy, I'm glad we're not doing that anymore. But I, I wonder now if now that I have the skills, like, could I, 
could I like, could I use that aspect of clairvoyance in my work? Basically, you probably could. I feel like I've definitely noticed when I start to struggle in one aspect, if I turn it like kind of like turn the dial up on a different area of my psychic gifts, like when I'm not seeing as much, if I close my eyes, I can see so much clearer and that sort of thing. So I feel like when you're a kid and you're hiding from it, you're closing your eyes, what you're really doing is focusing on it. (laughs) So you're able to see it and in a more real way too, because the details aren't muted like they are in a reality. I don't want to say reality, but you know what I'm saying? And like the living life, 3d world, 3d, wherever we are. (laughs) Well, I know I talked to Evelyn about this, but on Hulu, there is a show called psychic kids. Have you seen that Catherine? Yes. And I love it. And I've honestly like I would watch it. I watched, I binge watched it. Um, I was supposed to be working on my podcast, but I totally binge watched that. Um, You're studying. I was studying. Oh my God. But I learned so many little tips that I wouldn't have known otherwise. Um, So I do love that show. And what I really love about that show is watching parents want to understand what their kids are going through. And the medical disclaimer at the beginning always makes me giggle. Like, after all other avenues were explored, we introduced a psychic to this child or whatever. I'm like, right, because right. your kids is dead people and they're not schizophrenic. So I, let's continue. I really like the show, but as an empath, it's hard. I start to feel so emotionally drained seeing how sad the kids are at the beginning of the episodes, you know, that it's it's hard for me to watch more than one at a time, even though I know like it's probably going to end fine. They're going to get mentored and yay. We're all, you know, psychic superheroes by the end of it. But the beginning is just, I don't know. It reminds me of parts of my childhood that I don't particularly love. Not that I was psychic or anything, but just having to deal with like negative energy like that, Mm -hmm. that I just kind of, I don't know. It's hard for me to get through, but I do love the show. I mean, especially like if you're into this podcast or you're into Catherine's podcast or Evelyn's work, like definitely check out that uh, show because it is, it's really, it's one of those shows where you hear the kids say things, say things, say things, and then they go to a place and you're like, oh my gosh, here's the thing they were talking about three scenes ago. So it's really rewarding to watch. It, it, can I offer something to that for yeah, you? Absolutely. When you watch stuff like that. I mm-hmm. don't know how, like what your uh, routines or like your um, energetic hygiene is like, but if you want to watch something like that without absorbing that energy. One of my favorite, favorite tricks I was ever taught was, and I think this works for me because I love like detective stuff, but I envision it like a two-way mirror. So I can see these people, I can see their energy, but they can't access mine. Or if you're watching something, it's taking that like 20 seconds or 2.5, because everything I teach my students is about doing things quickly because I'm a mom of three. And for like all of last year, I was a mom of three with a newborn alone because my husband was deployed like Mm -hmm. you don't have time for these crazy long whatever's you have kids climbing all over you so I say if you're watching that and you want to get into something like that kind of picture like a rope between you and the tv or the kids on the tv and you cut that rope you watch it burn I'm a very visual person so I like to watch it burn and snap my finger when the pieces separate and disconnect that energy and always say something like and so it is to like really seal it or really start practicing with even um, like, I just, I have my selenite egg. I like to rock with um, black tourmaline, that kind of thing to keep your energy grounded. But it's all about intention as an impact because same, I same. And it's, I mean, 
this is the kind of thing that you're learning even when you're walking past like a homeless person and you feel all of that sadness. You don't want to carry that with you because it's physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually draining for you. So you send them some light and then you cut the tie. It's huge. This is how I survive my mother-in-law every visit. <laughs> um, so I'm telling you, you start being more intentional about it and it feels less like damning yeah. to you as you practice that. No, yeah, that, thank you. The, one of the things too that that helped me when I was just starting to sort of like build a energetic hygiene practice. Um and, and the thing that I really had to remind myself of, and this was very much just mental um work, was that me feeling for them, like feeling what they were feeling isn't actually constructive. It doesn't take it from them so that they aren't feeling it. Because I think that there's some aspect of me that is like, oh, like in order to connect with them, I, I become that I, I, I absorb and I take it so that I understand them. Right. Like that's part of what it is. So I really had to start boundarying myself to be like, it actually isn't helping anyone. My goal is that for, you know, whoever to be seen, to be, um, held and supported. Um, but me just sitting in my own, um, reaction to, to their experience, like that doesn't actually help them. And so I would have to, um, sort of make an energetic plan to like release that, that like reminding myself like, oh yeah, feeling all of their stuff isn't actually beneficial to them or to me. So I'm just going to release that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, part of the problem for me is that I'm always been a fixer. Like I'm the person friends would come to, to fix their problems, or I would just end up doing it in general or in the workplace or whatever. And so I see those things and it's kind of along the lines of what you're saying, Evelyn, it's like, I can't fix whatever's going on, you know, in the TV show or the movie or whatever, but you know, I'm also a broken person. So it doesn't matter what I can or can't do. I still take on the <laughs> whatever energy it is but hey that's why i'm a comedian right every um, empath everywhere just was like cheers to that yeah <laughs> yeah that's a very typical empath story and there's so many uh, there's so, there are a lot of good tools though even like i mean regardless like oh, we all need therapy but like the ability to implement energetic boundaries is so helpful yeah. for people who are empathic and whether that's like boundaries and protections um, that sort of prevent the external from coming in, but also clearing so that anything that does come in or that maybe you accidentally absorb or take on um, can then be released. So there's lots of uh, ways that you can do that. And it kind of depends on how people are set up. If you want to, like, if you're more clairvoyant, we're, we'll set up a visualization system. Um, you can do it through breath work, you can do it through intention. So there's lots of ways to make your empath life easier. Yeah, no, I mean, that all sounds like great advice. And I would suggest anybody who's listening to this and says, man, I wish I could talk to these people more about this. They should reach out to them. Evelyn, where can you be reached? Uh, themiragrid.com is my website. You can schedule appointments right through there. My web, um, my email address is also on there and I do love when you guys reach out. So if you just have any questions or you want to understand more about the kind of work that I do, please um, go ahead and check that out. Um, I also want to just shout out again, my book, Isabel Brave. Um, it's a really good like holiday option for the highly sensitive kids in your life. It uh, teaches kids about energetic boundaries. They 
takes them through a meditation to um, build an energetic bubble and call in their spirit guides and address any um, like nighttime fears or anxieties that come from being a highly sensitive kid. So that is also available on my website, Amazon, et cetera. Awesome. And hopefully somebody who will become a new friend of the podcast. Catherine, where can our fans reach out to you if they want to learn more about what you do or potentially take a class from you or anything you've got going on? Yeah, you can go to uh, katherineannintuitive.com. And then if you reach out to me on Instagram, katherine.ann.intuitive, that is going to be the best way to message me to get a response. If you reach out on TikTok, oh, that just gets overwhelming. So I kind of ignore it a little bit. So find me on Instagram or on my website. Awesome. And make sure you check out her podcast, Murder and Mediumship. Uh, a lot of really interesting conversation going on in that podcast and just reading the reviews of it. I was like, yeah, you can tell this is something that our audience would want to listen to. I'm a huge, huge true crime fan. That's what got me into podcasting was listening to my favorite murder. And yeah, so definitely I can't wait to listen to more of those episodes. Well, Evelyn, did you have any other questions for Catherine before we all get out of here? No, I just, again, like I... I love to find really high integrity people in this industry. So props to you. I love what you're doing. Um, if you ever do need help, like looking into stuff with your kids, like that is my wheelhouse. So yeah. <laughs> let me know. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you both of you so much for having me on here. So with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm Evelyn. I'm Catherine. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.